Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, mental health, and wellness, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. This podcast episode is brought to you by UHSM HealthShare, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.uhsm.com or call 1-800-900-8476. Friend, have you heard the news? I'm officially releasing my first book this summer with Dayspring Publishing. It feels wild saying that, but I have been behind the scenes writing away and it is happening. It's called Worthy, 50 Mindful Moments to Bring Peace and Clarity to Your Day. And honestly, it is the book that I've been wanting to read. Listen, have you found yourself feeling more anxious and overwhelmed in today's cultural climate? Has the modern social media world and hustle culture left you on a roller coaster of feeling insecure and inadequate no matter how much you do? Or do you tend to struggle with people pleasing in order to feel valuable and worthy? You are certainly not alone. Many of us have been struggling at the intersection of our faith and our mind in today's world. So whether you need a total digital detox or just a little more balance, I've truly aimed to gather the information and inspiration to help you feel a little more refreshed, more clear, and more at peace within each day. These 50 faith-inspired devotions are integrated with helpful psychological tips and insights to reset each day with a grounded mind and spirit. I wish you had this in your hands in front of you because you'll see that it has a beautiful, simplistic design with short yet impactful messages of peace and clarity, along with inspirational quotes and affirmations and mental health trackers, so readers will be able to declutter your mind, check in with your mental health, and focus on how to show up with intention for each day. In essence, this interactive devotional is designed to help you, one, practice a more grounded and internal sense of security. Two, realign with your values and convictions to show up confidently as your true self. Three, refresh your faith with the hope and peace of God's word. Four, develop the psychological tools to better cope with anxiety and overwhelm. And five, redefine the necessary boundaries for your overall mental, emotional, and spiritual health, and so much more. Within Worthy, get ready to reclaim your days with a sound mind to show up confidently for the life God has called you to live. You can grab the book on Amazon or dayspring.com or Barnes and Noble and really wherever books are sold. And the links to order will be in the show notes below. So be sure to check it out. Now let's dive into today's show. 
Welcome back to the podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. I have Laura Howe with me and we're talking all about how to build a care team to support your church and community. Um, Laura just does a lot of great work at the intersection of faith and mental health and is someone who's passionate about strengthening and equipping the local church with the resources, strategies, um, and whatnot to care for your community without burning out. So this is something I'm super passionate about. It's something that I witnessed to as I was serving in the church that led me into the mental health conversation and into seeking resources for the church. And we're going to talk more about that. But for starters, Laura, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. It is a bright and sunny day here in Canada, so it's a great day for me. Same here. It's been some good weather. And, you know, for those who aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to get into the work of the church and mental health? Yeah, I so I started off as a social worker in a community mental health agency and did that work for about 12, 14 years uh, and was passionate about the health, but also a believer and attending church and interested in missions and connecting with people um, and impacting the community through church work, whether, you know, that's programs, volunteers, outreaches. And I really noticed that there was a difference in the community and my community work. I had to be very mindful of not proselytizing and, you know, trying to convert Mm. people, but just being encouraging and not being able to share, you know, Jesus. And, and then in my church, you know, space, I noticed that what people said in the church didn't necessarily, you know, resonate with the community needs. And so I really felt there was this disconnect. So I am passionate about about offering Hope Made Strong and building up this uh, resources for the church so that they are able to care for the community well. And having done, been as a caregiver for many years, I also know that it can really wear on you. And and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's important to have resources for whether you're a volunteer or a staff or a ministry leader or just, you know, a neighbor that you understand on how to care for people without burning out. So that's really my passion. Yeah, and you are, you've done a lot of work around this, especially in the online space. Um, Actually, one of the ways that Laura and I connected is that she had a church and mental health summit that I had the honor of being a speaker on, and she just is really great at gathering all these people with different expertise in this field uh, to put together practical resources and workshops and, and all the things. So Speaking to something you just brought up was burnout, right? In my own experience, you know, being a part of a variety of just different churches and serving in ministry over time, I find often that the pastors do do really, really care about the mental well-being of those in the congregation and want to be helpful, but they're too spread thin, especially in churches that are like church plants or just starting out or maybe the, you know, 100 attendee churches, which is the more common churches across, at least across the U.S., as far as the average amount of members. I remember, like, seeing the pastor, you know, responding to calls from people in the congregation at, like, 11 p.m. and going over to talk to them about their marriage crisis or whatever it was and just being really spread thin um, and not going and turning to other resources, but it's just something they took on in the way that they're used to operating And I think that takes place a lot. And so I guess for starters, what are the dangers of not spreading out those needs among the church? 
Yeah, leaders, they're called into ministry. They feel that they want to, their their calling is to give and to serve. And while that is, you know, that's what God has called them to do. So I'm not arguing with that, but the dangers right. of having no boundaries or no limits or setting, uh, managing people's expectations of your role can be impactful on people's health, their relationships, their own spiritual walk and their own mental health. And, and you see that uh, when people come to you, you are the leader, people expect you to support and help them. And, and so you yeah. want to be able to offer that. We don't want to push people away or reject or, or, or limit people, especially when they're hurting. And so it can be really hard to have those boundaries. But I can tell you that uh, burnout really is comprised of three things. It's comprised of hopelessness, helplessness, mm. and prolonged stress. So hopelessness is if, if this is your role and it's ne- always going to be this way and it's never going to change, you lose hope that the future can be better. Helplessness is if people's expectations on you uh, and and you don't really have control over your, you know, your work day <laughs> and then stress. It can be really stressful when people are, are drawing from you. And so this is what really burnout is. But there's also this thing called compassion fatigue. And that's where you, right. your empathy or compassion for yourself and for others is eroded because you don't have the opportunity to refuel. And these are, and this is, particularly for people who are caregivers, people who, you know, are professional caregivers or even, you know, if you're caring for your elderly parent or children with high needs or you're a pastor or a small group leader who's always on duty, always on call. When you're caring for others, you can be impacted. Uh, Your health can be negatively impacted, your relationships, your workplace, and even your spiritual life. You can start questioning if you're questioning your calling because you're resentful or numb or weary or, Mm -hmm. you know, having a hard time serving because you're just so worn down. So there's definitely impacts for for caring for others although it is an honorable calling so it's really tricky to have that balance and figuring out how to refuel and how to stay healthy while serving others yeah that can be really really draining really really fast and and when you're especially when you're serving in the church you are in the business of people you know you are I, I mean that was one of the reasons I was led into mental health. I was serving with youth and young adults. And next thing I know, I was managing mental crises because this person was struggling with anxiety or this person was struggling in their marriage or this person is having suicidal ideations or, you know, and it was like constant. And so it's so prevalent in the church. And so having wraparound support um, to where both the the attendees, the congregants, and that that support or that pastoral care team or volunteers are also being supported um, is so vital for the livelihood and the health and wellness mentally, emotionally, spiritually of the church, of that community. And so one of the things that you talk about is a care team, is having a care team. Can you explain to us or share with us what is a care team? What is your um, yeah idea of what a care team is? When I first started this work, someone asked me, what is care ministry? And I was like, oh, this doesn't exist everywhere. This can be a new to- uh-huh. you know, new topic or a new name for people. And so my idea of a care ministry are the people who offer care and support to people in this church. And this can be anyone from the pastor all the way down to the volunteer, because I think... 
you know, so often we think, oh, if someone's having, a, if someone's struggling, they need a professional. They need to go to, you know, um, a therapist or a psychologist. And absolutely, those are necessary uh, supporters mm-hmm. in our life. I've been, you know, I regularly go to therapy or counseling. And so I think that really creates healthy habits and balance for people. But for some, that's not always accessible or that's not always going to, that is not necessary to meet their need. And so by having a church, having multiple different um, types of carers, whether you have pastors, you have team leaders, you have volunteers or peer supporters, I like to call people, um, then you are able to effectively meet people's needs where they're at without having one or two or three people be carrying that heavy burden uh, of support. Yes, exactly. So you just touched on like three different areas of support. I think we condense it all on the pastor or on the pastoral team, and they're the ones that are supposed to carry the the burdens, the work of everyone in the church on their shoulders, and that is just kind of unrealistic. They are human too. So I love that you're talking about, no, these these needs are spread out across across the church as as it should be. We're one body, right? So can you kind of dive into like those three types of caregivers on a care team that you're talking about? Because I think that there might be people who are listening who may fit into, you know, one of these three categories and what is maybe their role of support look like? Yeah. So the three types of caregivers that I outline are professionals. These are clinicians who have, uh, who've been to school, who are practicing. They're often regulated health professionals, people who are in this industry as mental health professionals, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, psychotherapists, counselors, social workers. That's the kind of the group that I'm talking about. And then pastors. I, I equate pastors to people who are specialists or coaches in a specific area. So the, so a pastors are specialists in spiritual development or biblical uh, approaches to you know life's challenges, similarly to that of um, you know a, 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 I don't want to say a life coach, but like a fitness mm-hmm. coach um, or or someone who has done um, significantly much more in depth research on a specific area. So um, so more of kind of like the um, job coaches or things like that. But pastors often who do substantial, they have a substantial in their seminary, substantial education. And so this is why they are a specialist in spiritual direction and, and biblical counsel. And then the third area are peers. And this is people who offer support out of their lived experience, the school of hard knocks. These are people like you and I, anybody is a peer supporter, someone who has gone through a life situation, has overcome and is able to support or become a cheerleader to other people so that, you know, they have hope and encouragement that they too can overcome. And I think back to when I had children, (laughs) I thought I was prepared to have children because I had children when I was a little bit older in my 30s. And I was like, oh, I'm ready for this. I can do this. Yeah, no. I reached out to many friends and many other people for guidance. I didn't go to right. my uh, OBGYN or my um, the mechanic. The, <laughs> yeah, or my mechanic. 
I didn't go to, you know, these professionals. I went to peers. I went to other people who've gone through that journey of motherhood and that could support and give me advice. And so I think people uh, underestimate the value and the and the care that can be offered with peers. And um, research is showing that peers coupled with professional counseling have much higher outcomes of recovery. And so the mm. support offered by peers is very, very valuable. So those three categories are professionals, pastors, and peers. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has Groupinar sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify, and you can apply for financial aid during the sign-up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. That's huge. And I mean, I love everything that you're saying because the first thing that comes to my mind is that the church is mostly made up of peers. Like that Mm -hmm. is most of the church. All of (laughs) most of all of us who are listening to this podcast, we are peers and it is the peer support, like you said, that is coupled with the pastoral care or the professional care that makes a huge difference. I mean, there are many times where, I mean, those who, those are who we're mostly doing life with. Right. Those small group leaders, the prayer teams, the, you know, those are the people or, you know, those are the people, like you said, we do life with, we share with, we become, we're comfortable being vulnerable with, and they can offer so much care and support. 
Right. And I think that speaks to the importance of us as peers, us as congregants, us as everyday people and supporters or volunteers to have that mental health education, that understanding, knowing the basic signs of maybe when someone needs more extra help or more intensive care. Um, it's it's the equipping of, I think, the peers that is that is um, really encouraging and, you know, inspiring to me as well as everyone else. But that being said, um, what something that you also talk about are is just how to build a care team. Um, so I'm hoping you can just share with us some practical steps for someone who wants to build a sustainable care ministry. You know, we're talking about it, um, but how does how are some ways that someone goes about actually setting that up for their community, for their ministry, for their church, maybe mm-hmm. even for their online community? I don't know. Um, <laughs> how can someone set up kind of wraparound support and care um, for their group? So I offer a a resource for people um, called Three Steps to Building a Sustainable Care Ministry. And in uh, in that booklet, we'll call it, there's three steps that I outline. Now, this isn't all-encompassing. This isn't, you know, the be-all, end-all as far as it's not comprehensive and that it'll answer every question. But for people who are looking, okay, where do I start in developing a care ministry? How do I go about broadening the care that is offered in my church? So it's not just centrally focused on the pastor or just a few people and and you know spreading that out so that we're not burning volunteers out so but and that we can offer more of a robust or more more care in a broader sense and the three uh the three components or the three steps that i encourage people to do is number one leverage their community partners number two build your care team and three is developing a training strategy So leveraging your community partners, this is all about uh, recognizing, and I think we all know this, that we can't be all things to all people. And by really making an intentional action or intentional steps in connecting with and partnering with organizations, associations, counselors, and resources in your community that you can refer to, this really allows your church to be able to serve people well. Uh, they're, They're not limited to the resources that you have within your building that's people time and money which is thank god we, we're not limited to that but we can really connect with other people and offer people some some comprehensive support through referrals uh, the second one is building a volunteer team. This is all about looking for those peers who are gifted in empathy and compassion, who who know what people are doing, who are who love to care and serve, and really equipping them and give and empowering them to lean into that gift and care for others in an intentional way. And then the third step is developing a training strategy. I think you mentioned this where, you know, to expect people to be able to care without knowing, you know, when you were, Mm -hmm. you know, in youth and young adults, you were bombarded you were bombarded with all of these right. needs. I'm sure a hundred, and this is why you got into mental health. I'm sure that you did research yeah. and trainings and how do I, you know, what do I do with this situation? And so I think that's really important too, that if, if you want to have a care team, then you really give the care team or the people offering care, the resources and training and knowledge to be able to do the work well. Cause we want to, we want to offer people um, quality care. I always say it's the, the two C's you want them to be competent 
in their skills and you want them to be confident in their skills. And so this really requires training and, and providing resources for them. Gosh, I just think about, I'm just visualizing like what our communities could look like. Not only our, not only the church, but even extending beyond the church, um, what our communities could look like if we had all these things in place. Like if every church across the country or, you know, you're in Canada, across (laughs) North America or across the world had, you know, had these resources where the congregants are aware of you know signs and symbols and and people are pitching in to volunteer to care for others as peer supporters and the pastor has kind of delegated that care support to to a team of people and he's or he or she's being taken care of like that just picturing how healthy and thriving mm-hmm. um the church really could live up to in yeah. having all of these it's in place is really exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. think it's transformational and, and we can transform communities through care. You know, churches often look at outreach and outwardly focus and, and that's great. That's the great commission. We want to go and we want to make disciples. Absolutely. But I really feel that discipleship is part of care or care is part of discipleship. It's building in and investing into people's lives so they can grow and be healthy and mature in their walk with God and in their life and in their relationships. And so if we can care for our people well and we can offer Mm -hmm. supports and care for our community, it really can be transformational for people. Yeah, and I believe that's our calling, right? Like as the church, (laughs) I believe our calling as the church is to care for people well. And you just said what is highlighted all throughout what we talk about here, and that's mind, body, and soul. It's all around, mm-hmm. um, it's all around care. It's all around health, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We do, I think, really well with the, you know, the spiritual side and the spiritual development, but also being tuned into the whole person so that we are becoming mature and healthy all around. Um, I think is transformational as well. Something that you've mentioned that you've talked about is, I love this quote that you that you use. You say, we are here to be supporters, not saviors. We work with someone, not for someone. And that's such an important distinction, especially when it comes to um, emotional boundaries and preventing burnout and um, knowing what we're responsible for. So could you just share or expound a little bit more on what that means to you and, and what that looks like? Absolutely. We are supporters, not saviors. And this really talks about, like you said, the boundaries or the limitations of which peers and pastors are, and even professionals are to to work in. Uh, In working in the field within addictions, we know that we can't change someone's behavior. We can't change how someone chooses how to spend their time and money and resources. We can only encourage people to make good choices, and we have to encourage people to do that. Threatening or being negative or being oppressive is not going to change anyone's behavior. What we want to do is we want to support people as they navigate life. So often we think, oh, if I just, you know, 
do this or do that or go the extra mile in this way, that's really gonna lift someone up. But sometimes people have to navigate that journey in their own timing, which is really hard because people are way slower than we expect, (laughs) but in their own timing and, and in their own way. And you know, that whole phrase, I don't know who says it, but all who wander are not lost. You know, people have to navigate Mm -hmm. life on in a way that is so that they're the hero of their own story. And that's really what being a supporter is, is that we don't go in and swoop up and rescue someone and, and because then we're the hero. We want them to be the hero of their story. They, we want them to learn resilience and, and, be, and have, be confident in, the, in their choices so that um, they, they grow stronger. And that really is working with someone and not working for someone. And when I was a supervisor and having students under me in kind of the frontline work that I did, I would often tell people, you know, don't work for someone, work with someone. So if a phone call needs to be made or an errand needs to be run or something needs to be done, do it side by side. So you're working with someone rather than for someone. And it it prevents burnout. It prevents um, resentment happening. It prevents you from enabling uh, someone. It really is much more of a side-by-side relationship than you leading. And I think that is a healthy way to approach our work. Someone asks, you know, how do I know I'm working for someone? Well, if you're working harder than the person who's needing support, you're probably working there for you, someone. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> right? So have the person always working harder than you do. And and you can walk alongside someone and you can be their cheerleader and you can be consistent Uh, be a consistent encouragement to that person and non-judgmental and being safe. These are all important elements to being a supporter. And, and this is, you know, this type of support really would really invoke people to having longstanding change than, than perhaps working for someone and just rescuing someone out of their situation. I think that long-standing change is the key there. You know, in order for someone to have sustainable change, um, that has there has to be some element of their will to want that change and to be doing those actions because you can only carry someone so long. And all of this really does prevent like that that codependency, um, which can happen easily. And it takes two, right? It's the person wanting to fix. It's the other person needing to be saved all the time. And that's one thing that we learn in the mental health field that's very key is to not undermine people's autonomy um, for what they for what they need to do. Um, and and I've found that, and maybe you can relate to this as, as well. It also just kind of depends on where they are in their journey, like. If someone has gotten to a deep, deep, deep depression or is severely struggling or we can even take grief, for example, and in the beginning, it's just really hard to function, um, you might be helping out more in that situation because they're in a critical situation. But Mm -hmm. as things progress, as you are walking with them to find the resources that they need for long-term growth and sustainability and healing, um, then you kind of step back, you know, a little bit Mm -hmm. more and more um, as they're becoming more functional. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I think there is some discernment and just gauging where a person is and, um, 
And the biggest thing is then to connect them with resources so that you're having that wraparound support instead of like you being the only person who supports them. I think that's really easy to fall into where it's like, I'm all they have. You know, I'm the only person they have to turn to. (laughs) And then you're afraid that if you're not there, something crazy might happen that you both regret. And that's why it's so important in all that you've been saying with this is to be connected to other peer supporters, to uh, to maybe the, the specialists, to other mental health professionals, and so that you're introducing wraparound support to them because you, you don't want to be in, in a position where their entire livelihood is dependent on you um, because then that's going to stunt them from growing and mm-hmm. from their own autonomy of doing the work and getting the satisfaction and even self-efficacy out of that work that builds them to make more progress, right? Because it's like you've made the change in your life and then that's what leads you to make more changes and you have that for your, you have to have that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, it's preach so to everything you're saying because <laughs> been there. <laughs> and it's something that like, it's also just, so, it's something that we do very commonly in the church like we have that savior syndrome where we just feel like we have to fix people and we have to fix people quickly by throwing either scriptures at them really quickly or let's pray and deliver them and be done you know kind of thing and I think switching from not necessarily switching but going into the mental health world from being so heavily in the ministry world that was one of the things that I had to kind of deconstruct and reconstruct in terms of caring for people. One thing that I learned well in the mental health world was having emotional boundaries, was giving, not undermining people's autonomy, was knowing your scope and knowing your limit. Asking permission and then honoring the answer. Asking (laughs) that part too. That's huge. Even like, is it okay if I send you these resources? Is it okay if I go with you to the therapist instead of pushing yourself on them? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because... I have witnessed the difference between those responses in the church world and in the mental health world. And I think that if we can just bring both of those skills and uh, mm-hmm. and community together, uh, we'll have a really healthy perspective on what it means to care for people well. Yes, totally agree. Totally agree. Some people think that if they refer to a professional, the church no longer has a role. And I would say absolutely not. It's that, like you said, it's that wraparound care. When we when we refer or we connect them with other resources, that doesn't mean our role is over, you know, unless there's some, you know, boundary that needs to be made for the health of the person, one of the, yourself or the other person. But that it really is valuable when we can wrap people and with care and and offer our strengths of peer support pastoral support and professional support yes exactly I was just thinking about um in scripture where I mean this is biblical right this is going back to these are biblical concepts when you really look at it because in scripture it says you know one plants a seed another one waters the seed and it's God that makes it grow you know um and I think that's exactly what we're talking about is that, okay, maybe the maybe the pastor plants the seed or maybe the peer supporter plants the seed and then maybe the therapist waters that seed or another professional comes and waters that seed. And ultimately, it's that person in partnership with God in their life and having that internal autonomy and want for change or what have you for healing um, that 
leads to the growth, their partnership mm-hmm. with God in their lives and how they move forward. Um, and so, yeah, so things like that are just so clearly biblical to me um, <laughs> that it's not our job to take on any everything. The Bible also talks about, you know, we're a body. One is a hand, another is a, mm-hmm. you know, foot. And we all play our roles and all together we make up one body, you know. So there's parts and there's roles and it all works together and God works all things together in the end. So this is clearly um, a very (laughs) biblical concept to me. (laughs) And it's hard when you see both sides. You're just like, oh no, this makes sense. And people are like, oh, I don't trust psychology. I don't trust that. And you're like, oh no, this isn't, you know, these aren't principles that work because somebody made a theory of them. They work because they're biblical. Just someone happened to name them a different name in research or what have you. But these are definitely biblical principles for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So all of that being said, (laughs) if you were to have a vision or have a picture and all of these things work as planned, so to speak, or just maybe in general picturing the church, what do you believe a healthy system of support in the church community ultimately looks like if everything is a well-oiled machine (laughs) and it's running well? Oh my gosh, I would be out of my job and happy. That would be fantastic. Let's yeah. work myself out of a job, shall we? That's a great <laughs> way to it. quit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really think that everyone would be leaning into their own strengths and they feel um, empowered mm. to do that. And so if you're a peer and you are, your strength is helping people you know, with relationship encouragement, you know, I've been divorced and I've overcome that and, or I've been through grief and, and I've seen the end of that, or, you know, I've been through postpartum depression and this is the hope that you can have because this is what I've had. Those are the peer support conversations. It's encouraging and people feel like they have the ability and the freedom to, and to do that. But also I think it's really important for people to know when and how to bring other people into that circle of care, to wrap support around. So they know how to um, engage with uh, pastoral support or lay leaders who do lay counseling. And they know how to do work and, and, and refer and engage with that. And there's no shame in that. People aren't embarrassed that they connect with people uh, for counseling or support. This is just a part of life. We're all human and, and it's okay. And then there's the, mm-hmm. and then you uh, bring it up to more of a community level where there is trusted partnerships within the community that when the church doesn't pass a, a business card across the table and say, call these people, they say, hey, no, I know Susan down at the count at this agency. Let's call her together and book you an appointment. And so there's a familiarity, there's a trust, there's a, a warm transfer where people can access care and support on different levels. Mm-hmm. And at each level, whether it's peer, and it's not like a hierarchy, but it's a different type. So at a de- different, right. each type of support, people feel that they uh, are, are safe and that they can engage with the support in, in a way that, uh, that meets their needs. And then the supporters feel that they are confident and confident in their skills and they know how to navigate and resource um, the system. So that would be ideal. Oh man, that would be exciting. And that's what I hope to work towards. That's what I hope to, how I help to, and that is how I I love to help churches is developing those, uh, systems and, and resources. 
Yes, that is, I, I, I see you doing it and <laughs> it is so encouraging and it's one step at a time and one day yep. at a time and one community <laughs> at a time. And I just love that leaning into the strengths of your community, something that you speak to that I, I speak to as well that I always yes. say is there's probably people who are already in your congregation, who's already, who are already in your community, who are in the pews, who are in this work you know, or who are in some type of expertise, whether it's social work or therapy or psychology or whatever it is, who you can lean into for um, some wisdom and some insight or even for resources on on what they can utilize, on what you can utilize in your ministry and your community and your church. So like even just putting it out there because sometimes people won't act or they won't intervene or they won't like step in unless they know there's kind of this open invitation or they're invited or this is something that's even going on you know um that's happening so even just throwing up on the screen like hey if you're in the mental health professional or so and so you know we'd like to have a focus group with you in the church or we'd like to i know i just thought of that we need to okay (laughs) we're gonna we're going to think about that. We're, We're going to expound on that idea. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, we would love for you. It, would you be able to provide a mental health basics training or whatever it is? How can we do better or how can we create a supportive care team in our church? And just leaning in, like you said, to the strengths of those who are already there mm-hmm. um, is worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Absolutely. So, Laura, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you do and sharing it all out here so clearly and gracefully. How can those who are listening stay connected to you and all the work you're doing? I know you have a podcast. Um, she sends out like resources on her email list all the time that I'm super clued into. She sometimes does like virtual summits for the church and mental health. So she is She's doing all the things. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you are going to love to glean from everything that Laura is doing. So how can they stay connected with you? Definitely check out the podcast, the Care Ministry Podcast. And that's where we really focus on uh, strengthening and equipping um, those who are in the church space with ideas for care and resources for caring for themselves and for others. Uh, and then hopemadestrong.org is my website. And I wish I knew all my social handles, but I would just search Hope Made Strong and you'll find me. <laughs> I wish I knew them off yes. my heart, but there's too many between Instagram and Facebook. It's okay. And We're going to link them in the show notes for you. So you, <laughs> there you go. Have to Thank worry you about very it. much. You guys can go to the show notes where we're also going to add her guide on the steps to uh, setting up a care ministry. So you guys can look at that. And that's such a practical resource. So Thank you so much uh, for being here. I'm looking forward to all the work that you continue to do. Um, And thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time.